All righty. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's so good to see you guys. We are, if you're new or newer to the Graceworks, we're in the middle of a sermon series on First and Second Samuel. Uh, we find ourselves right now in First Samuel chapter 14. Uh, we're working our way through the entire book of First Samuel, and then we're going to hop into Second Samuel, uh, and we're going to work our way through that. Uh, again, if you're new or newer to the church, we typically go from a New Testament book to an Old Testament book. Every once in a while, we'll vary on that. Uh, depending on where Holy Spirit's leading us as a church staff. And, and so right now we're finding ourselves in the Old Testament. We're reading and preaching and studying our way through First Samuel. And we titled the whole sermon series for both books, Lessons from Leaders. Okay? So we're looking to learn lessons from the leaders that God has placed over the children of Israel. Sometimes that's learning a lesson from a leader that's a bad leader, right? They do things, they do things poorly, and we can learn from that. We also have an opportunity uh, to learn from great things that leaders do. And this week as I was thinking back over it, I've worked for various types of bosses over the years. Before I became a pastor, uh, I worked for Costco Wholesale for almost 20 years. Uh, and even though I was in management, I had managers over me, right? I mean, you always, unless you're that top guy, unless you're the guy that said, hey, we're going to sell a hot dog and a Coke for $1.50 and never raise the price on that, right? Unless you're Jim Senegal, you got a boss. And, and for 20 years, I had all sorts of bosses. Now, let me say up front, it was a great place to work. I loved working for Costco. I would probably still be there. If God hadn't called me into ministry 10 years ago, right? So, I mean, it's one of those things where it was awesome, but sometimes the bosses weren't that great. And so when you think about your leaders or leadership, styles become apparent, right? You can almost identify, like when you get into a new department, you look at your boss, you're like, I've seen somebody like this before, right? Various styles, personalities, the mannerisms, their work ethic, Right? How do they work? What do they ask of you? But then how do they work in return? And, and during those times under these bosses, I've seen and experienced what I don't want to do and what I do want to do as a leader. If I'm placed in that position, what would, what would I learn from this person, both from their positives and their negatives? And so last week, if you were here, Pastor Dave preached through chapter 13. Okay, and that was looking at this kind of same situa- situation we're going to look at today, this same time period, right? But from Saul's perspective, Saul's the king over Israel. He's made some good choices. We've learned from those. He's going to make some poor choices. We're going to learn from those. So we, we see that Saul's story was highlighted. Saul had some missteps. He had some cracks in the foundation, right, of his faith, He was struggling with trusting God and what God had said. He was having a tough time obeying God, right? His kingship, he was like having some highs and he was having some real lows, right? And so we're able to learn from Saul. And so last week, if you were here, remember, we saw that pressure is no excuse for disobedience. It doesn't matter what the world is pushing in on you with. What your boss is pushing in on you with, what society is pushing in on you with, it's not an excuse for disobedience. We are called to obey God. This week, though, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 14, of course, 1 through 52. 
And you guys know me, if, you, if you've sat under my preaching at all, you know I like to use every bit of the 30 minutes that I'm given, right? I thought there might be a few more laughs than that, because I'm usually a little bit longer than that. Anyways, I, and, and when I saw this this week, I thought, how am I going to get through 52 verses? This is going to be crazy. And yet, i got to be fair, this is the second half. This is the second comparison, right? We're talking about the same time period. We see the pressure and the disobedience that happens with Saul. Today, we're going to be looking at Jonathan, his son, being faithful in the face of fear. To me, that was exciting. I'm like, man, these are like, this contrast is great. There's a lot of, of, of things that we can learn here. And we're going we're gonna to look at the idea, the concept of being faithful to God. Faithful in our walk in the face of fear. Now, we've all experienced fear. Okay? The fear that I faced may be different than the fears that you have faced. Okay? It, it, my fear may even compare, uh, may even pale in comparison to some of the fears that some of you have had to face. And I want to acknowledge that up front, right? I, I haven't faced a lot of life-threatening times, okay? Uh, I had a couple very minor health scares that were scary at the time. There was some fear there. But looking back, it was like, oh, okay, that's all it was. I needed to do this. I, I'm better. And some of you may be like, no, man, I've dealt with life-threatening health issues. So I don't know exactly what you've been through. Now, I felt that my life has been in danger before. And again, looking back on it, eh, was a little built up in my mind, maybe? I don't know. But I, I made it through. I survived. I learned th- some things. But I also know from talking to some of you out there living in a community that's so heavily populated with military uh, men and women that your lives have been threatened before in a way that mine have not. And I again want to acknowledge that up front. The fears that you have faced may be more extreme or seem more extreme than what I have faced myself. And yet we all have faced fear. And if we know that going into this chapter today, I think it's going to help us see these ideas and put them kind of into perspective. So we have a common ground. The person sitting next to you on your right and on your left, whether you know them or not, has had fear in their life. It may be worse than yours or it may not have been. That's all perspective, right? But we have this common ground. Fear, if you look at the definitions of it, basically it just kind of boils down to this idea of threat of harm or loss. You're fearful of something, a threat or the potential loss in your life. So we all have to respond to fear. Okay, we, we, we're faced with fear. We need to respond properly. And we saw not only last week with Saul, but we've seen before Saul's response to fear or circumstances that maybe challenge our faith. And again, for us as believers, those of us who've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we can respond to fearful situations in a different way than a non-believer can because of the glorious hope, which isn't the hope like America and the world likes to talk about. It's a confident expectation. That's what the Bible says about our hope in God. We can trust him fully. And we have that, fo- that hope because of our faith. So praise God for that. Uh, and, and again, 
I know that in my, my life, I've allowed fear to get the worst of me, right? Or get the best of me, I should say, and, and allowed fear to take over. So I look back on those and I don't say to myself, man, you failed once, you're going to fail again. I look at those and say, hey, you didn't maybe do it exactly like you want to. So learn from that and be ready to go through it again. And, and so when fear shows up and it kind of threatens our safety, our security, uh, specifically if there's permanence in mind, like this could really cost me in a way that I could never recover from, we still need to look at that through the lens of our faith. And our God who has promised to be with us. And again, so these fears could take many forms. Health, finances, relationships, jobs. Keep that in mind as we're going through that. Uh, and and we, we're going to just as a group today, as a church body today, we're going to acknowledge that fear comes in all shapes and sizes. And we have something to do with the way that we respond to that. So ask yourself this morning, before we dive in here in a second, where does fear grip you? Right? So that's a question for yourself. Ask that internally. And where do you struggle remaining faithful in the face of fear? Kind of think about those two things, and then as we go in, when we see these four bullet points that, that we'll be going back to today, maybe there'll be something you go, man, yeah, that's something I need to remember. That's something that can change my life. So really quick, again, back in 13, there was a garrison of Philistines that, that went out to Michmash. Israel's in the midst of battles with the Philistine. We saw Saul last week in the way that, that he engaged with them. We also saw Jonathan poke the bear last week, right, in battle. He, he was a young, brave, confident guy. The Philistines, though, they rallied, and, and Israel's getting nervous, right? They've gathered together at Michmesh, and Israel is scared, uh, and, and some of the Israelites had deserted. Remember, they took off, and they went over to be with the Philistines. So there's some crazy stuff going on on that chapter 13 side. And you remember, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Dave um, preach on that. Now chapter 14, we're going to do something that's kind of crazy. And I think it's going to work wonderfully. We're going to read through it. Now I just told you how long this thing was, right? We're going to read through it. And I just want you to sit back and try to listen to the story. Okay, don't try to overthink it right now, because then we will dive in. We're not going to look at every verse in depth, but we're going to look at these four different scenarios or opportunities where Jonathan learned from that. And, and so when we read this through, we just listen for the flow. Now, you may be wondering who this wonderful, beautiful person is sitting next to me. If you don't know, this is my daughter and Abby is going to help me out this morning. She's a fourth grade teacher and she reads to her kids every day. Now, I read every Sunday, and I read all week long to myself, but man, if I get through 10, 12, 14 verses, my eyes are glazing over, and I, stum I stumble over my words. You guys have all heard that before. So I have actually uh, hired my daughter to come up here today and to do the reading. So follow along on the screen up here, follow along in your own Bible. If you see something that's cool, circle it or highlight it. She's going to help me read through this. Okay. The professional reader that I listen to during the week on my app, he reads it in about eight and a half minutes. So this is going to take us probably 11, 12, 13 minutes, but we're going to read through this story and then we're going to look at what God has to do. You want to grab that mic over there? Can you reach it? Okay. So let's give a round of applause to my daughter, Abby, who's helping me out today. 
If I fail to mention, or if you don't know, she's also engaged to get married to that handsome guy standing in the back. Everybody turn around and look and wave. Make Hayden feel really... Uh, but I learned something. It doesn't matter how much you think you have stuff taken care of. If you're engaged to be married, a little bit of money goes a long way. So I just threw out a little small dollar amount. I probably would have paid her 10 times what I'm paying her because I need the help this morning. But she's going to help me out by reading, and I think it's going to be a blessing to everybody. So we're going to read through chapter 14, and then we're going to look at how we can be faithful in the face of fear. All right, here we go. And Abby said that if there are words she doesn't know how to pronounce, that she would still do a better job than I do. So there we go. Anyways, all right, here we go. Starting chapter 14, verse 1. Okay. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Great job on the first slide. Here we go. Thank you. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Boaz's and the name of the other Sena. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, uh, 20 men within as it were half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became very, a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude were dispersing here and there. Then Saul, uh, then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count, and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark, the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. 
I'll read one slide, just to give you a little break. Now, while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were, were with him rallied and went into battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow. And there was a great confusion. Now, the Hebrews who had gone to be with the Philistines, the deserters, before that time, and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day, so Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was, no, or there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. So he put out the tip of the, of the staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth. And his eyes became bright. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, My father had troubled the land. See how my eyes had become bright because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has, been, or has not been great. They struck down the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone here or to me here. And Saul said, disperse yourself among the people and say to them, let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here to eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and they slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, let us draw near to God here. And Saul inquired of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come here, all you leaders of the people and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, you shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan my son will be on the other side. <clears throat> and the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan, my son, O Lord, God of Israel, give Urim. But if this guilt is in your people, Israel, give Thummim. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. 
Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am, I will die. And Saul said, God, do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not Uh, There shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and then against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them. And he did valiantly and struck the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkishua. And the names of the daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Mirab, and the name of the younger Michal. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of the army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw, when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to himself. There we go. That's the story. Thank you, Abby. <laughs> Thank you so much for all your help. I feel great. Whereas if I had read that all to you, I would be exhausted here and need a break. So we, we took in that story. Hopefully you heard a lot of it uh, and, and we're kind of able to understand the flow of the story there. There was a ton of things happening and we saw Jonathan be faithful in the face of fear in a few different ways. And I think from each of those situations, we're going to be able to kind of glean from that and hopefully find encouragement in that. Now, I, I read this thing several times this week to get ready for this morning. Uh, and, and now in hindsight, I should have just called my daughter and given her a week's heads up instead of uh, the five minutes that she had when I was back there and basically begged her to read it. But it was, it was one of those things when you read through the story and if you can kind of picture it all, you really see a difference between Saul and his son Jonathan and the way that they faced fear. And so today we're listening for these lessons from leaders and this is how it's going to shape our lives because each one of us is leading. Even if you just, uh, you know, you feel like you go to work and your bosses are always telling you what to do and you really don't lead anyone, there are people watching you. And so you're leading by example in your home, you're leading, you're leading your spouse, you're leading your kids, right? And and there's leadership that's going on there. And even if you're single and you just have a lot of friends or have some friends, you're leading there too, because they see you, they see the way that you engage, especially with tough situations in your life. There's things that we can all learn from. And when we have that fear of harm or loss, how are we going to respond to that today? So the four lessons, and again, we're going to highlight these and at the end, I'm going to put them up again, but the four lessons from leaders from Jonathan that we're going to look at are when faced with fear, faithfulness looks like trusting God will accomplish his plans. 
That's a good one. Do we trust God that he will accomplish his plan? When faced with fear, faithfulness looks like depending on God's guidance one step at a time. Even though we don't know what's going to happen down the road, the end of this situation that's bringing us this crippling fear, do we trust God every step of the way as we're moving our way down that path? The third thing, faced with fear, faithfulness looks like courageously following God's direction. Do we follow God's direction and, 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 and in an unwilling way to do it? Or do we go forward boldly? This is what God has called me to do. Even though this may make me a little bit fearful of this situation or what's going on, I'm going to move forward because I know this is God's direction in my life. And finally, the fourth thing, when faced with fear, faithfulness looks like speaking truth, even when it's risky. Are we people who are committed to the truth or are we willing to bend the truth or even outright lie if we think that would protect us, make our situation easier or better? And what we saw today in the story that Abby read for us was Jonathan responding in a godly way in all four of those. So let's take a little bit closer look again, not at all 52 verses, trust me, but we're going to hit on a couple of these so that we can see these specifics and hopefully as a, as a church body move forward in our faith. So let's look at verses one through 14 in a little bit closer detail. Uh, and so we'll jump right in one day, Jonathan, like Abby already read the son of Saul said to the young man who carried the armor, come, let's go to the Philistine garrison over on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah, in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were there with him, about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Atubab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priests of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. So we remember later in the story, there's like 600 men plus, right? And, and two of them go away. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they actually count. They figure it out. They'll see that it's Jonathan and the armor bearer. But here we are. We're looking at Jonathan, who is looking at the same threat of harm, the same threat of loss. It was real, just like it was last week for Saul, right? However... When they faced fear, they responded differently. Saul, look at these verses, was hiding out, right? He was hiding out. And apparently Saul had also replaced Samuel as the spiritual leadership, right? He replaced Samuel with a a priest, Ahijah, which was the son of Eli, who Samuel had replaced that lineage because they weren't faithful to God. And so here we see Saul going back, going back to where Israel had a problem, had sinful priests leading them. Whereas Jonathan, we learn here from these verses right here, Jonathan was pressing forward. He trusted God. His faith was in God. He he pressed forward. He said, come, let's go. Look at verse one. He says to his, his armor bearer, come, let's go. This is a man moving forward. He was willing to explore and discover God's plans. Because he goes on to ask some really important questions of God. 
and, and we see the answers being shared with his armor bearer. So he, he finds out what God's plan is along the way, and he moves forward in that. Picking up in verse 4, within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison. So the garrison, the Philistine garrison, the soldiers were a little ways away, and there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other side. We see that. And one crag rose north and the other one in the south. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Key words that we do not see coming out of his dad's mouth. Look at that. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. That faith in God is stellar. We're talking a Philistine army, right? One that has sent the Israelites into chaos so many times will be a thorn in their side for a long time. And, and Jonathan says, if God's for us, who can be against us, right? Jonathan and an armor bearer, they make a plan to go to the pass, right? To go to these Philistines who are up on, the, on, the, uh, the, on these rocky crags, these cliffs. And, and, and let's see what God will do, Jonathan says. So where his dad's hiding out in a cave full of fear, Jonathan says, let's move forward. Right? This is staring me in the face. I should be afraid. And yet I know that God can and will do his will. He moves forward in faith. They didn't know what's going to happen, and yet they stepped forward. They moved forward. So lesson number one that I had already read uh, to you early on, uh, or earlier on here is when faced with fear, faithfulness looks like trusting God will accomplish his plans. Verse six there, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or few. How would your life look different today, this week, no matter what you're going through right now, what may be bringing real fear into your life right now, if you went forward in the confidence of saying, it, it, the Lord can work for us or for me and nothing can hinder what he is going to do. I wish I had that kind of faith daily. I'm telling you, I don't. When I was reading this this week and I was looking at Jonathan and his boldness and his confidence, two men against the Philistines. Remember, Saul was scared with the 600 mighty men. That wasn't enough. And yet we see Jonathan moving forward, trusting that God will accomplish his plan. That's what facing fear and moving forward in faithfulness looks like. Verse 7. His armor bearer says to him, do all that's in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I'm with you, heart and soul. This is a good guy. Jonathan says, hey, I got this crazy idea. This is what I think we can do because God's with us. And the armor bearer standing there, right? He goes, okay, I'm with you. 
I hear it and I trust you. Let's move forward, right? Then Jonathan said, behold, we're going to cross over to the men and we're going to show ourselves to them, right? They're going to pop up. Hey, we're right here. Look at us. And if they say to us, wait until we come down there, then we're going to stand there in our place and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come on up to us, then we're going to go up and the Lord has given them into our hands. And this shall be assigned to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they've hidden themselves, right? Because all the Israelites had run and they were hiding and they were scared. But they make their presence known to the enemy. And and at this point, they still don't know what's going to happen. Will God direct them to go up? Will God tell them to stay put? What will happen if they go up? Let's keep going and see what finds or find out what, what God's going to do through these men. And, and the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and the armor bearer. And they said, come on up to us and we're going to show you a thing, right? I, I don't know what that means, but that's what they say here. That's what's recorded. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Again, it's still just the two of them. There's no army behind them. You know, if they're moving forward and they got the 598 other guys coming with them, uh, you know, God tells them to move forward. Like I see some, I see some confidence or some willingness to be confident in what God's called you to do. This is still the two guys, right? Their circumstances were uncertain, right? And they only unfolded one step at a time. Jonathan hadn't been told by God, this is going to be the result of what you're doing today, right? He hadn't been told that. But he had faith in God. He said, one step at a time, as as God directs us, we're going to continue to move forward. Lesson number two, when faced with fear, faithfulness looks like, depending on God's guidance, one step at a time. Do you and I depend on God's guidance, and are we willing to move forward one step at a time? If you're wired like me, you want to know the end result. Right? No matter what it is, whether it's something you're afraid of or not, you want to know how is this going to end? Right? How do I get to the end of this? What is it going to look like when it's done? How are you going to bring me through this? And sometimes God just says, your next step looks like this. Do this. Be faithful in this. God's guidance, one step on a time. And this can be really tough for those of you who, who like me, like to strategize. We, we know where we are. We know where we want to go, right? And then we plan each step of the way. Are you willing to say, I trust you, God? And even if you only show me the next step, I'm going to move forward. I don't need to know the ultimate goal, the ultimate end of this situation, right? I don't need to be fearful of it because I trust you in the next step. And that's what we see from Jonathan and the armor bearer. Now, they're standing at the base of these rocky cliffs. I, this week, I was prepping with Pastor Bruyere. He's down there preaching this morning in Lacey. And, and he pulled up these couple of pictures. Uh, and he is very trustworthy. I trust this guy. So I think he did his research. This is what the rocky cliffs looked like that they were walking through, right? And, and so this is, they're literally going to climb up these rocky ledges. Now, are there areas there that might be a little easier to climb or what? I'm still saying they did not have the high ground, right? If you've seen the Star Wars movie, Obi-Wan tells them, I have the high ground. Don't do this, right? And here, these two men, severely outnumbered, are going to work their way up a rocky crag, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine. And yet, 
They were willing to do what God had called them to do, even if it was a difficult climb. Jonathan climbed up with his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. His armor bearer killed them. And this first strike with Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about 20 men within it, uh, about a half a furrow's length in an acre of land. So their climb wasn't a simple hike, right? They made it to the top. And then we see what happens next. They did what God showed them to do one step at a time, not knowing what the end would be, but they trusted God. Now it's easy for us. We're looking at this story. We read it all the way through or Abby read it all the way through. We know what happens. We can read the whole book. We know what happens. These men were living it. Can you imagine being Jonathan or the armor bearer? Doesn't matter which one in this story. Picture yourself as whichever one you want. Jonathan and the armor bearer, the Rocky Crag soldiers. You don't have any idea how many are up there, right? And God's told you, go ahead and go up there. This is, this is men who are willing to put their faith in motion, not knowing what the end result was going to be. They experienced it live. We get to look back on it. We know, have you guys ever DVR'd a sports game and then you find out the answer or I mean the score before the, before you even get to watch it. Now you're watching it and you know what happens, right? And so it's kind of like, ah, you know, I was trying so hard, but then your friend texts you the score or whatever. And okay, well, I'll watch it anyways. You're, you're, you're not going through it live. You know what happens, right? And here, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they went through it live. They were experiencing it. When faith, when faced with fear, faithfulness looks like courageously following God's direction. The climb alone might have scared some of us away from this. Hey, maybe we're making a bad decision, Jonathan. Let's head back. Right? The other 598 guys, maybe we go with them on another day. And yet they didn't. They faced their fear. They followed God's direction. Now, the second look, the the second closer look that we're going to go to here, we're going to jump ahead to verses 24 uh, to 30 and and, kind of look at the end of this to see the last point that we're going to make this morning. And the men of Israel had been hard pressed that day. So Saul had laid an oath on the people saying, curse be the man who eats the food until this evening. And I am avenged of my enemies right there. the, The writer of Samuel highlights the sin. Saul says, nobody gets to eat until what? Until I'm avenged. He doesn't talk about the Lord. He doesn't talk about what they're going to do for God or what God has done for them. He's saying, after all this fighting that happened, the Philistines are killing each other. The Israelites that ran away come back to them. A lot of positive things going on. And what does Saul say? No, I'm still the leader. I'm the king. I'm the boss. And it's about me. So nobody gets to eat until I'm avenged. Right? And we see Saul's leadership there. Right? Whether good or bad, we're looking at leadership. And we see that there. So none of the people had tasted food. Now, when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. Now, this was crazy. Abby hadn't pre-read this, and, and, and I almost wanted to jump in. Like when we used to team teach, we were always jumping in on each other there. Abby loves honey, right? And I love honey too. Nothing like a piece of toast with a little bit of butter and then some honey on it, right? I love honey. And look, the, in this story here, um, there was honey literally falling out of the trees and the soldiers were in the forest and they were seeing all this honeycomb and all this honey, right? 
And, 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 and so we see that there. So none of the people had tasted food. When all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. But when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping, but no one put their hand to their mouth for the fear of the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath, right? Jonathan wasn't around. He and the armor bearer had gone. So he didn't know this. So he put the tip of his staff into the honey, right? And he ate it and his eyes became bright. You know how honey can, you know, kind of give you that sugar rush. That's good stuff, right? And they had been fighting all day. And so he ate this and his eyes became bright. Then one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, cursed be the man who eats food on this day. And the people were faint. And Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. See how my eyes became bright because I tasted a little honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found for now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. So here, this kind of recap, Israel dominated the Philistines. The Philistines started fighting amongst themselves. Remember when we read through that, right? People were with Israel that had defected. They had come back, right? The Israelites had come out of the places they were, there was a, a momentum shift, The Philistines who once dominated were being dominated, right? The Lord had rescued Israel that day. And even though Saul wasn't there with Jonathan and the armor bearer where it all started, Saul had every opportunity to acknowledge God's hand in this. And when an an army starts fighting itself, and that's where the victory comes from, a man like Saul should have seen God's hand in that. And yet he didn't. Saul puts out this oath. Don't eat any food until I am avenged. Again, we see poor leadership there. Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening. And I am avenged of my enemies. Saul looking at himself. Poor leaders. They look at themselves. They're focused in on what they need to do. What they want to do. Saul points towards himself. Jonathan continued to look towards God. Now the men were hard pressed, they were tired, they were ragged, and then they were told by their boss, their leader, their king, do not eat. Now the army enters the forest, Jonathan of course eats the honey, he didn't know, apparently it looks like it was an honest mistake, the soldiers tell him about the oath. Now Jonathan criticizes his father here, which again, this is a tough one because we're praising Jonathan for all his good leadership. He says something here that comes across pretty hard against his father, right? And so we have to look at that and go, well, that's, you know, maybe not the best leadership to say that in front of the people, but we understand his frustration there. The next section, we're going to see more Philistine dead. We're going to see Israel celebrating and plundering and eating meat with blood that was wrong and they shouldn't have been doing it. And Saul is, is looking for this guilty party. He wants to know, we read the story, he wants to know who had sinned, who had done, uh, who had gone against what he had said, because they're going to die. That's what he says, even if it's my own son. And it turns out that Jonathan is the responsible one. And, And yet Jonathan facing the threat of loss, right? Death has a decision to make. And that's where we're going to skip forward to the last two verses here. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of my staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I will die. 
And Saul said, God do so to me and more also, you shall surely die, Jonathan. Talk about the threat, the fear of harm or loss. Your dad, who's the king, had put out this oath. This was the consequences and he asks you about it. And yet Jonathan responds in a courageous way. When faced with fear, number four, faithfulness looks like speaking the truth even when it's risky. We all face fear. We all respond to fear. Fear comes in all shapes and sizes, right? We've all been through fearful situations with close friends or relatives. And it's affecting us because it's affecting them. And there are giant fears. There's giant loss that can occur in our lives. And yet we are called to be faithful and obedient to a God who loves us and has given us promises in his word. Are you willing to speak for, move forward in, and stand for those truths? The lessons that we've learned from Jonathan are ones that we can use to equip ourselves. When faced with fear, faithfulness looks like trusting God will accomplish his plans. Are you good at that? Are you good at trusting God? Are you even sure that you're moving forward with what God has planned for your life? Those are some questions you could ask yourself and you could work at moving forward in. Maybe talk with some people in your community group or one of the pastors. Better way to understand what God's plan is, what his plan for my life is, and how does that look daily? What can I do different? Dependence on God's guidance one step at a time. Are you good at that or do you need to know what's going to be the end result? Right? Are we going to be a people that trust God even when we don't see the end result? Are we going to be people who are going to be faithful in the face of fear and courageously follow God's direction? When he tells us what to do, even if it doesn't look like what you would want to do in that situation, are you willing to do that? And finally, when you are facing a fearful situation that might cost you greatly, are you willing to speak truth even when it's risky? Will you be the kind of man or woman or woman that God has called you to be? One that stands up for God's truth and speaks of the goodness of God. We want to be a people who are faithful in the face of fear. It's a lifelong journey. I hope these come across as encouragements to you today and not weapons or tools to beat yourself down or break yourself down. We need to look at this list and go, I want to do better. I want to look better tomorrow for the glory of God. I want to look a little bit more like Jesus tomorrow than I did today. And these are some ways that we can. Sometimes I look back at my own life and I say, man, there's more losses than wins. I fail more often than I succeed. And sometimes in the face of fear, I try to, you know, wiggle my way out of it or squirm out of that situation because I'm, I'm afraid of what might happen. And yet we all know that even if we get out of that one without having to meet it face or, or you know, face on, 
We all know that there, there's going to be fearful situations that are going to show up again. And so as a people, let's commit to equipping ourselves to be faithful in the face of fear, to follow wherever God leads. Will you pray with me this morning?